have faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As a believer, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as together we walk the believer's journey. Well, aloha and welcome to the believer's journey. Boy, I tell you, it's been a long month and a half that we have not been in the studio. And um, we've been recording from my home. And it's been kind of a, a real chore working with a computer or a phone or my, uh, you know, it's so funny because I'm so old technology having to hold up papers <laughs> for, <laughs> for my charts. It's been quite humorous. Anyway, today we're back in the studio. It's really kind of nice. Our topic today is going to be living with joy and a positive attitude. And with me today, I have my guest is going to be or is uh, Manny Diot. And before we go there, I want to talk a little bit about um, things and before we get started. Uh, first off, I want you to know that um, we have our show on YouTube. We have our show also on Twitter. We also have our show as well on our, our, our Facebook, um, excuse me, our um, website. And on our website, if you want to listen rather than uh, watch. We also have Spotify, and you can always uh, listen to the audio. So right now, we're all over the place. We've had some great guests. We've had some great teaching, and it seems like we're really growing as a ministry. And so I uh, really thank the Lord for all that he's done in, in this as well. Anyway, um, it's kind of interesting. I really came up with the, the idea of talking about positive living and living in joy because, you know, I'm listening to a lot of things around in this last month about the um, coronavirus, and people are just either negative or, or afraid or scared, or you hear the news is constant about, oh, we have all these things going on that are bad, terrible, and whatever, and it's like, i, I got to turn it off. I can't do this. And I started thinking about the fact that uh, have we as believers stopped living in, in a positive way? Do we start feeling defeated? And I really think that we need to really listen to a message and listen to Jesus and turn ourselves around because we're, we're called to live a victorious life. We're called to live a life in joy, you know, a positive life. And I think that that's so important. <clears throat> so um, I want to introduce to you my guest today, uh, Manny Diot, and I want to read to you. He is he is an, an amazing guy, and um, so I have a write-up here, and I want to read it. And I'm going to say this. For 20 years, Manny has been empowering companies and individuals to leave their mark in the world by discovering their strengths and finding their purpose. He is an expert in performance in both professional and a personal development. Uh, Manny is uh, an experienced and successful businessman, highly respected speaker, a consultant, a trainer, a coach, and a cancer survivor. Many, or Manny has spoken to over three million people on the radio. Um, he has appeared on numerous television programs and conducted numerous seminars, which has helped thousands overcome obstacles that hinder their performance. Uh, he has been described as compelling, thought-provoking, motivational, inspirational, and passionate. Wow. 
<laughs> okay, and he has been compared uh, to the industry giants, to uh, people such as Zig Ziglar, um, Les Brown, and Tony Robbins. Um, he is a also known world-renowned author uh, with his hit book, Happiness is a uh, Pair of Shorts. I even have that book and have read it. It's great. Uh, another one is Success is a Journey, and he's a contributing author uh, to the book, uh, the New York bestseller, Chicken Soup for the Surviving Soul. Manny helps individuals and companies achieve greatness. Uh, his programs are rich in content. Uh, they're contagious in humor and will help you reach a more favorable future. He is also the CEO and chief memory maker at the Ferrari Kid, an organization that makes kids cope better with cancer uh, as a celebrity for the day. And it is with great pleasure that I have to introduce my friend, Manny Diot. Thank you, Alan. Wow, that's a that's too much. <laughs> but thank you. You're amazing. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? Blessed. Today's a great day. So I understand. Before we even get started, I understand uh, today is your birthday. It is. I grew up. I woke up this morning with another gray hair. But you know, um, <laughs> I've I've often said that uh, it's an honor to have gray hair. That's a privilege that's been denied to so many. So I I um, I love it. I passed gray hair and went right to white. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't know what that means. <laughs> well, the love of my life, Lucy, hopes he stays gray for a little longer because she calls me her Richard Gear. So I don't know if he had. I think he had gray hair. So if he's white, I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, of course, this is all packaged up. But I wanted to hand it to you. I had specially made for me my favorite cake. And it's called uh, Spice Applesauce, or Applesauce Spice Cake, and it has a lemon frosting on it. Oh, my gosh. So I decided to get a piece, and actually we have two pieces here, one for you and one for Lucy. Awesome. Okay. And uh, my wife packed it up, and you can keep the container, and this is for you to say happy birthday. Thank you. Okay. I'm so grateful. Let me grab it. Okay. This social distance thing is crazy. Oh, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does. Thank you so much. It's funny. My wife, you know, we talk about a positive lifestyle and positive living. And, and uh, the fear, my wife, is because she's as a high risk. And I imagine you probably have some high risk in this as well. I do. Um, my wife is, is, is fearful. And she's fearful of uh, a lot of things. However, we've discovered she might have already had COVID-19. When um, we, she's going to get the antibody test, she, when we, were, um, we went to Arizona in the latter part of January, and she came down with a high fever. She could hardly breathe. She had to go to the hospital and get um, – she got tested for flu. They said they didn't have flu. Didn't, all these things they didn't have, they couldn't figure out what she had. They gave her breathing tests. I don't know what you call it. but um, Like a nebulizer. Yeah, a nebulizer test. And then she also had pink eye. Which is also a rare but also part of one of the um, side effects of the virus. So now she was in bed for three weeks. Wow. And uh, so we didn't know what it was. And usually she gets the flu if she got it and so forth. But we had no idea that doctors could not tell her what it was. And now we look back and we're thinking, oh, my word. I'll it could have been. It. Yeah. I never caught it. Of course, you know, I'm got all the immune system. I take CBD of what it is. Right. I got you. You know, I laugh at that, you know, because we don't know. But 
Um, so anyway, it's amazing how we walk through life either afraid or positive or stupid, you mm. know, because some people just walk around and not caring at all. And then there's another problem. Anyway, I wanted to I wanted to introduce you now because I want you to I want you to tell your story. You have an amazing story, and then we want to talk about the things you do and the things we. I want you to help our audience understand what it is and what it's like to live in a positive way in a, in, with joy through adverse circumstances. And you have it all. Yeah, so, you know, I, I've learned a long time ago, it's, it's not what happens to you, it's what you do with what happens to you. You know, and I, as a young guy, I was seven years old, given six months to live. And, you know, what seven-year-old deserves cancer? I don't, none. Right. So suddenly I'm thrown in a hospital. I'm, I'm undergoing two years of chemo, two years of radiation, three and a half years in and out of medical facilities, 50 surgeries. I'm just enduring and enduring and enduring. And at the end of the day, what gets you through that is a positive mental attitude. You've, you've got to have mental toughness. And um, and it's kind of like the word of God. Either you believe the word of God or you don't. So the word of God says, be not afraid. I think it says, be not afraid 365 times. You know, they say that there's a be not afraid for every day of the year. So either you have to be grounded and say, I am not afraid because he is stronger than me on my own and, and develop that positive mental toughness to get you kind of through the storm. You know, just about every other weekend from 7 to 9, the doctors would be called in the room with my parents and say, hey, you know, Manny's not going to make it through the weekend. So you just call your pastor, your priest, your spiritual leader, whoever it is, and um, give your final prayer and thoughts to Manny. He's not going to wake up Monday morning. And I just kept waking up Monday morning. So at the end of the day, mental toughness is part of that formula of having joy and then I think as you mature in life, you realize um, how to make every day count, how to have joy um, in your life. Because it, there are moments, you know, I, as, I, th I think you were there. I, when I was president of the Christian Chamber of Commerce, I threw my Bible in the trash can. as one of the most real moments I had. I said, the other night I had a bad, bad day. I, I, you know, and, I, and, and of course I got it back out, right? But I, I'm also human, and I have, I have my moments when I am weak which is why I surround myself with amazing people to help me build my strength when I need it and I'm not capable of. Yeah. So I think having a positive attitude is certainly important in overcoming any adversity, whether it's cancer, divorce, illness, whatever, it meant, loss of a job, loss of a child, whatever that may be. I'm going to interject here real quick because you mentioned the Christian Chamber, Business Chamber of Commerce. Um, I, I was actually, my wife was on the board at the time you came. I think I was just ending on the board. I helped actually create the, the chamber. Correct. And um, you came on. And what was really cool, I think you were just a director. And the next year, you wanted to vote, run for president. Well, at that point, nobody ran for president who was just a director. They were a vice president first. And people had a really hard time with that. Accepting that. I know. And I had to tell him, it's not in the bylaws that you can't do this. So he could do it. And you won. It was great. But I need to tell you something. You, you showed an amazing characteristic that I honor you with that I've never seen anybody do with the chamber. My wife was on that board, um, I don't know, 13 years or more, and nobody 
ever. I mean, she's carried, she's been in every single, she's president, vice president, secretary. She just wasn't treasurer. She was a director, right. vice president again, and so forth. So she did it all. But you were the only person that gave her recognition. Mm. You were the only one that gave her recognition. You actually, you actually wow. gave her a gift on the stage for her help and thankfulness. And she remembers that. Mm. And there's something about that kind of a characteristic, that kind of a person who sees others and reaches out to them. And you tend to do that. And I wanted to uplift that because that's a a remarkable characteristic that you have that I've seen in you. Not just there. I've seen it just, you know, in every other area you're in. I've seen it in your office when you're talking to other people. I've seen it with – the Ferrari kid when you're dealing with people. It's just an amazing uh, characteristic that God has blessed you with, and you have not squelched it. And I just think wow, that that's thank, amazing. Thank, yeah, th- thank you for that. I mean, um, Susan was an amazing person to work with your wife. And um, at the end of the day, um, I envisioned people with an invisible T-shirt. And that T-shirt says, make me feel special or make me feel important. And when you realize and when you're a leader that it is not about you, it's about the people you serve, the mission you're taking, the purpose you have in your heart, you realize that it takes a village. And people need to be recognized for, you know, yes, there's always someone that topped it. They, everybody tends to praise and say, oh, you're so awesome. You're so great. But you have to pause and say, hey, it, it, it takes a village. I, I, there's no way I got here on my own. And um, whether it's adversity, whether it's something great, you know, it, it always takes a village. That's why it's so important to surround yourself with the right people. And, yeah. and, and if I'm weak in an area, bring someone in that has that strength that I'm weak in. Yeah, there's something in your story I think is pretty remarkable. And um, I know that I've, had, I've been in and out of hospitals and in and out of doctor's offices multiple times, but I've never had 50 surgeries. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's it's um, it's tough. To be honest, it's just, you know, it's takes a lot of wear and tear on the body. So, you know, uh, my last surgery, I they found the tumor on my brain to access that tumor and take it out. They cut my hearing. So I'm 100 percent deaf in my left ear. And um, it's just like it's it wears your body out. This is why it's so important to be mentally tough. It's important to stay strong. Um, Yet because physically, you know, these things make you weaker. It just, you know, anytime you get your body cut open and you've had 50 surgeries and 50 anesthesias and tons of IVs and all this stuff, I mean, your body takes a blow. But um, you got to stay mentally strong. And I always prepare myself before I go in for surgery. I get my head right. I... You know, get my body hydrated. I have a little routine that I do. But, um, you know, and and I've often said that, you know, um, I've had a lot of heartbreak with my cancer journey. I mean, I'm 51 today, and I've been dealing with cancer since I was seven. Just a week ago, I was 104 degrees with an infection in my leg uh, that I get all the time because of it's so um, soft because of all the surgery and surgery and surgery it's just my legs a little bit weaker um but i've always said even if my heart has been broken in a million pieces each piece will praise god i'm always grateful uh, that's great one of the scriptures i have for today uh, is going to be my very last scripture and i still might read it last but in psalms i love david 
Mm. And I love the Psalms. But yeah. it says here in Psalms 146, 1 through 1 and 2, it says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord in my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Yeah, amen to that. And you know, one of the, you brought me back to the Christian, one of the members, first of all, I didn't know the, that I had did that. So that, well, I knew I recognized Susan, but I didn't realize the the impact it had on her. Um, that, that So you made me really feel amazing today. And because um, those little things we do, do matter. But I remember giving the keynote to the chamber once, and it was called God is in Control. And I said, um, in the light and in the darkness, we must always praise him. Because at the end, he's in control. We may not understand his head. We just have to trust his heart. He knows how all the pieces work together. You know, we, we work in our world of a thousand-piece puzzle. You know, my wife, my kids, my job, my coworkers, the car. You know, we have this p- puzzle piece set, and that's all we can see. His is six billion pieces. And we can't see what he sees, so he always knows what he's doing, even though I may not understand it. Yeah. So um, in, in the light or the darkness, I always give thanks. Yeah, uh, that's, that's amazing. Um, you know, when I, when I grew up, in, and I didn't grow up in the church, but when I started going to church as an older teenager, for several years, I kept hearing over and over again sermons and things that were taught that said it's, number one, hard to be a Christian. You know, number two, that, you know, it's a mystery, you know, being a following God and all this is a mystery. But the one that stuck out with me was it's hard to be a Christian. And I came across a verse that Jesus said. And the one thing that I learned from a pastor that I, I grew up with, his name is Lon Ekdahl. I talk about him all the time. Um, he talked about the fact that, you know, Jesus, you know, is is always there and, and life and with him is made easier, okay? And um, there's a passage in, in chapter 11 of, of Matthew that Jesus says this. He says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Yes. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, I'm really well known for deciphering and picking apart scriptures to help people understand them. One of the things that I think we read stuff like this and we pass it by and it's it's over with. But nobody really thinks about what is a yoke. Mm. Okay? Mm. So I learned that a yoke was something that you put on a, a, an ox and there usually can be two oxes. And so sometimes I was told, like, you know, you have an older one training a younger ox as you go and make their furrows down the road. However, what, when we really look at a yoke for, for us, that, that for our purposes of life, you know, it doesn't make sense that I can look at a, a yoke on an ox and think that that really makes sense to me for my, my life. But what a yoke really is... Um, it's, it's a system to help us move along. It's a system to mentor. It's a system Agreed. to help bring us about. Um, and so as I am with a mentor, I am with somebody who is spiritually stronger, wiser than I am, and I go to them, you know, I am like in this yoke. So when we go to Jesus, he says, my yoke is easy. My, 
my way of life, my, my way of to show you uh, how to live is easy, which totally blew out of the water. All of these things I kept hearing, that it's hard. It's, it's hard. And I think that a lot of people, and I used to go to, I would teach uh, high school and college students. And I would ask this question, how many here, raise your hand, think that it's hard to be a Christian? Almost 100% of them raise their hand. And then I would ask, why would you think so? All the rules you have to live by, all the things you can't do, you know, and that's really was their answer. But then when you look at what Jesus says, it's easy. Right. Yeah, I, I believe in um, in making life as easy as possible, right? So um, when when it comes to the yoke, one of the things I've always said is, like, um, when I lost $2 million in one of my b- business ventures, is because I was not equally yoked with my partner. We 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 were on two different pages, and I didn't know that till later. Right, hindsight's twenty twenty. Had I um, had we been equally yoked, um, we could have got through that transition so much easier. Mm-hmm. And I think when it comes to Christ, um, first of all, you, you take the very first sentence, "Come to me." The, you know, the very first commands, "Come to me," is knowing that. With him, without him, it is going to be difficult. Right. With him, when you equally yoke with him, and um, even though and, and equally yoke doesn't mean we're at the same maturity level and it is being Christian, it to me it means you have the same code of ethics, you know, um, which is super important to me. But it makes life better and easier to deal with because there's clear instructions how to get through this life um, without stressing every day of your life. And I think what happens is we focus so much on what we can't do. You know, they think Christians have a rule book of what we're not allowed to do. So, um, yeah, you're not allowed to have sex with multiple people, right? You're not allowed to watch porn. You're not allowed to get drunk and think that's okay. That's not, these are not bad rules, right? These are things that um, preserve our integrity and our ethics and relationships that we may be in like with a husband and a wife. So I think it's super important that people don't understand it's not a rule book of what you can't do. There are certain things that we're not allowed to do that, you know, just de- being a human, a de- even if you didn't believe in God, just being a decent human being would say these are things you should not do. But there's far more greater things that you can do. And there's much greater joy doing them, knowing that you're equally yoked with the man who created you. Yeah. And, and that's where maturity in Christianity comes in. It's not focusing on the rule books of the can't. It's understanding what you can do with the one who knew you before you were born. And it create, it's the master of the universe. And that's exciting when you can yield to that and say, I'm yielding um, for a much greater purpose than myself. Right. I mean, and I look at it. I've, that I, makes sense. I have actually, uh, my thinking is this there. As I am a believer in Jesus, there's a lot of things I can do. In fact, I can do most anything. However, there are things that I don't do because of my testimony to him and my relationship to him. Correct. And that's how this comes along where it says my yoke, my guidance is easy. My guidance, you know, 
is what we're looking for. The yoke is a guidance system. Correct. So when we go to Jesus, he is guiding us. Do, you know, does he want me to go out and do the wrong things? Well, no. So my relationship with him is what's important. So I choose not to do those things. You know? Correct. And, and, and I know the examples I gave were bizarre, but I'll tell you why they came up to my head. Lucy and I are doing a couple's Bible study right now. <laughs> and, and, of course, we're talking about relationship. Mm-hmm. And, um, but at the end of the day, um, we are nothing apart from him. Right. And the sooner we understand that, the easier actually life gets. And, and the sooner you understand that it's not uh, a restriction to be a Christian, that it's it's a much easier path when um, you submit, and um, it. But it sometimes, you know, it takes people time to get there. You know, if, yeah. if you if you hit your head against the wall, God's going to let you have a headache. He prefer you didn't do that, right? <laughs> you know, He's going to let you choose. He prefer you didn't do that. That you listen to the instructions in the book. But um, but we have free will, and that's what. Um, why we I think so many of us experience so much pain. Yeah, I think you know, consequences like that, there's like there's basic laws of the universe and people think that of course they they know the obvious. You hit your head against the wall, you jump in front of a car, you you do something, you're gonna get hurt and you're gonna physically hurt. But then they wonder, well if they if they choose a, a direction they shouldn't go and they get hurt emotionally, then it's almost like there's no laws there. Instead they blame God like well, why did God let this happen? Well, why did God do this? And it's like, it's the same rules. It's the same following. You, there, there's, there's laws that follow the action yeah, he, reaction. He, he definitely gives us some freedom to choose, but that doesn't mean there's not consequences. Exactly. And, and, and I think what happens is sometimes we don't think of those consequences. It's kind of like a young person going to go steal some gum at the you know, 7-Eleven down the street. They're, they're thinking, oh, I'm going to get... They don't understand that could affect their job. That could, they may now be convicted if they're of the right age. And they now have something on the record. They, there's some jobs that are not going to be available to them. They're not thinking of that when they're taking that gum, right? So um, I think we have to be careful with our freedoms. Um, it's kind of like you can take the train off the track and it's free, but it can't go anywhere. I think it's important to stay within the boundaries of the instructions God has given us. Yeah. You know, it was funny because um, on my website, I always list my guests that I have here in, in the station um, when I do my broadcasting, and I do a write-up, and I always do a picture. And getting a picture of you, you know how hard it is? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm looking on your website. Now I'm wondering what picture you have. <laughs> uh, well, I got the one with all the, um, what guy is this? And okay. all, it's in blue. Um, But you can't read the writing real well. So I thought, gee, let me go on Facebook and look. There must have been 5,000 pictures of you, but you've got 5,000 people around you. And every picture has got four people here, three people here, 20 people there. You're in a car with 10 kids, you know, and it's just... And there, I couldn't find a picture of you. And the one with you standing against the car, you have your little phrase here. Yeah. Oh, that's great. But you couldn't read the phrase. And Susan's like, well, it's a little blurry. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking, you have so many pictures. You have so many people obviously love you. And it really shows that you love people. And I want you to talk a little bit about the Ferrari Kid because – you know, in this, in it, when I'm looking through the pictures, other than you standing on stage with your shirt off, you know, I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I again, do. And I'm looking at this picture. I'm seeing the scars on your 
body. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Those are big scars. And I, they had to have hurt, you know. But anyway, uh, Susan told me I couldn't put that up. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it was uh, the picture you're talking about was uh, last year at my gala. Um, you know, I have a lot of kids. You know, my the, the furry kid is an organization that helps kids coping with cancer and other illnesses. Um, celebrate who they are by becoming a celebrity for the day. So we pick them up in Ferraris. We give them shopping sprees. We have bodyguards watching them and uh, walking around with them. We have paparazzi and people asking for their autograph, just like a celebrity walked in the room. And and these kids have scars and they're bald and they're missing limbs. And they and in addition to the big fun events that we do every month, we have a monthly event called the Hope Tank where it's like a cancer support group where we get together like a family reunion and we we talk about, hey, how are you do, dealing with bullies and how are you doing this as we're having a fun event like bowling or something like that. And a lot of times it's come up that, you know, um, oh, I've got scars or I've got this and I'm different and you don't understand anymore because you're, you know, I'm 51 now, right? And that happened to you when you were seven. And then I had to explain, you know, um, no, I still do. If I put a pair of shorts on and go out in public, um, I get looked at like crazy because my right leg is twice as big as my left leg. And um, so to prove the point, at my gala last year, I stripped down to a pair of shorts <laughs> and every scar on my body I had painted in gold. Because in Japan, there's this saying, when something is broken, they put it together with gold and make it beautiful again and I wanted the kids to know that they're beautiful just the way they are and I've got more scars than you know I want but it's my story it's my path and I'm okay with that so um, yeah that's and I do take a lot of pictures and um, I have certain rules like if I'm on the magazine cover I won't do a cover unless there's a kid on the cover with me because I don't want it to be about me this is not about me it's about um, the love that and the mission and the purpose God's embedded in me to do and serve these kids. So I want to make it about the kids. I want to celebrate the people around me. They're the rock stars, not me. Oh, I know. And it's, it's, it's wonderful what you've been doing with these kids and with this organization. In fact, I understand you do more than just uh, work with them as, you know, quote-unquote celebrities. I understand if, they're, if they hurt from medication, you help them with that as well, don't you? Yeah, we do a lot of things. I mean, we, the kids have different requests, and the parents are at different financial spectrums, you know, and sometimes they just need a little help, whether it's a pair of crutches. Like I, I bought a pair of crutches for 1200 bucks because one of my Ferrari kids, he saw an athlete, and he's an athlete, have these clutches, uh, crutches, and they're flexible, and they couldn't do it. So of course, I wanted to help and step in. And we've um, we've done, you know, we've helped with funerals. We've lost two kids this month. You know, um, um, it wasn't this month we did it, but in previous months we have. And yeah, so we we are really there for the entire family, not just the kid coping with the cancer or the illness. We support the family the best way we can, even if it's connecting to the resources that we have with other charities that we work with or or, or support to help out. But we, we want to help that family lighten the, the lighten the load and, and be as stress-free as possible, for sure. Yeah, and I think that's so important um, because what that does, it well, obviously what it does, it, it helps and uplifts and it helps the people see a brighter light it helps them see that even though they have this problem like you and i have gone through the problems 
we can see that there's people that will still reach out, still love them, and there's still, you know, hope in any other area. And, and you know. in fact, the, the, the hope is what we preach. Because, you know, at, at the end of the day, Alan, one of the things, people just sometimes need a breath. Mm-hmm. They need a break. They need a, a breath of fresh air. And, and sometimes, you know, they're struggling over something that I can help solve. And um, it, it, it's just a big relief because they're worried about their, keeping their kid alive. They don't need to be worried about, can I pay for the medication to keep my kid alive? Yeah. Or, you know, and now we're using the Ferrari. We take them to chemotherapy treatment, radiation treatment, surgeries. So they call us. It's like a free Ferrari Uber to the hospital. And so now the kids aren't even thinking they're going to chemo. They just can't wait for the car to show up. And they're talking about the car and how they're going to feel. And then and then before they were just talking about, oh, I'm going to go to chemo. It's going to be a horrible day. Now we've turned that day in, into a smile, like something yeah. they look forward to. I can't wait to get my car right. That's so really it's, cool. it's a lot of fun. You know, there's two passages I want to read here. One's in Psalm 30, 30, verse 5, and it says, Weeping may endure through the night, but joy comes in the morning. morning. Mm. And I think that's such a a really neat um, passage because it, you know, no matter what comes at you, no matter what it is, you know, there's hope. No matter what, there's hope. And it doesn't, you know. And the other passage is Isaiah 61.1. It says this here. Isaiah is really a cool person. I mean, if you really not just read the book, but study the guy, he's really amazing. I, I love the book of Isaiah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So he says this, Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted, okay, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. Mm. This is how I see you. I mean, really, I do, uh, from my heart to you. It, wow. it just, it's just something I see within you. And I think that you don't have to have cancer to feel like you're a prisoner. Right. You don't have to have, you know, the ailments or the problems, whatever, to, to be a captive in your own sorrow, in your own hurt, in your own misery, or your own situation. A lot of people are prisoners. A lot of people are captive within their own fears, you know. And I like this because I I feel like, you know, there are so many people that are brokenhearted. And I'm looking at today, you know, we look at the situation with the coronavirus. There's a lot of people who are fearful. There's a lot of people who are prisoners in their own home. (laughs) Literally, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I was teasing on on my last... uh, uh, program that uh yeah i'm sitting at home i'm here all the time and my wife is making me work and uh, you know susan's behind the camera and she's looking at me yeah (laughs) that's funny i can see it now (laughs) (laughs) but it's hard for me because i can't get out a lot not because of my stuff but because of her so i've got to be careful for her absolutely i could be i can run into somebody and i might be fine but if i bring that back to her she'll get sick i mean i get a little cold she comes down with pneumonia i mean it's so it's really careful but and i want you to talk to this because i really believe this is where you are i think it's where your heart is and i think you fit this passage you know where he says you know he sent to bind up the brokenhearted and and so forth. And and he will restore your soul. First, let me go to the first passage. Um, you know the the, the short the shortest sentence in the Bible is Jesus wept. Right. And and sometimes we need a good cry. 
sometimes we need a good release. You know, sometimes um, we put so much pressure on ourselves to be perfect and and act certain ways that um, we just need to pause and just say, Jesus wept. It's okay to weep and just take a pause. It's okay to reset. It's okay to start over. Life happens. You know, there's there's things that happen every day that we don't wish on other people. You know, today a, a child was going to die of cancer. Some mom right now is in the hospital room praying to God to exchange places with her sick child. And um, so we do need a release, and we do need a Savior. And and then there's um, the change that we talk about, that if, if we just come to him, he knows we're broken. Yes. He, 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 he knows, um, he knew that when we were born. He knows that we were all going to be broken. And that's why he keeps saying, come to me. I, I can restore. I can fix, right? Listen to my instruction. But we keep wanting to do the things we want to do. We keep wanting to blaze our own path in our own way. And when things are good, we don't think of God. We don't yeah. think of, but when things get tough, suddenly we're back, oh, I need this, I need this. And, you know, and we've said it so many times. It's been heard so many times. This isn't, God is not at Santa Claus. He's not an ATM card. You come to him in the good and the bad, not just in your time of need. And what happens is we become prisoners of our own life because we don't want to follow instructions, even though there's a clear rule book that says, if you do it this way, it's going to be a little bit easier. And um, But at the end, we're all broken, and we deal with, with things that some people, I mean, it's, I heard one time, if you take a, a fishbowl and you put all the problems of the world in the fishbowl and you got to pick and choose which ones you wanted, that you would take your own back. And um, and I can tell you, the, the closer you get to God, the closer you have peace in your life and how to weather these storms, not to be a prisoner in your own home. Right. You know, and um, and at the end, it, it, you know, some people have to touch the hot stove to learn the lesson. Wow, when it's red, it's hot. Some others can just listen to simple instructions from someone they could be yoked with. That says, hey, when that's hot, don't touch it. And they're willing to just understand their mentor, in this case, Jesus' instruction. That's hot, don't touch it. I'm going to save you a lot of pain if you don't touch that. Some people have to touch it. They learn the hard way. Some people listen from other people's experience. And um, I think the close, the more we submit and yield to our own selfish desires— and understand the purpose of our life and the meaning of our life, and it's not about us, I think um, the less headaches we have and the less we feel like prisoners from all the bad mistakes that we may have made. Yeah, and I think that we need to have an understanding, or people need to have an understanding, you know, there's there's pain and suffering outside of us, and there's pain and suffering within us. Absolutely. And we have the capability to deal with that that's within because Jesus, you know, is all powerful. He has a, we have the Holy Spirit to cleanse, empower, have victorious uh, life within us. Now the stuff that outside of us we just have to deal with. Correct. And and you just deal with it. Uh, I have a um a couple now a lot of people know that I go to Moldova every year. I teach at the Bible seminary and mm-hmm. I do a lot of s- teaching and and seminars there, and they're they're uh, and I support a lot of the missionaries there, 
And some of the missionaries, they're with different organizations, and uh, there's a few of them that are with uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. And back in January, I had a couple here on my show. Raul? No, or, Radu, Radu. Oh, yeah. Okay, I, I, no. I knew you had brought a couple that have come by different yeah. people. Radu, yeah, Radu yeah. and Luda. Yeah, Radu and Luda are, are like family. I mean, they're yeah. just, you know, we stay at their house. Such a, they were great people. They really are. There's another couple. They were on my show in January. It's Anatoly and Luba. Luba is um, Manny in, in female form. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she just hasn't gone through all the stuff you have. However, so she, she came here when she was here on a show in January. She was pregnant. Okay. Now, her blood is Rh negative. So she has a baby, and she just had, had to be induced to have the baby sooner. Her baby's blood is Rh positive, which can cause problems even to death, so, you know, brain mm-hmm. problems, all kinds of stuff. So she received the shot before, you know, when she was pregnant before afterwards, and it didn't work, and so they're having the problem. So they had to deliver the baby early, and we're all praying for this baby. And the, the really remarkable thing, so I think she had a C-section, and so I asked her husband, uh, how's she doing? She says, well, she's probably in a lot of pain, but she doesn't complain at all. I'm like, well, that's pretty cool, you know. And she's always got bright, joyful stuff about Jesus and mm. God and life. And you know things aren't perfect with them. You know that they struggle. You know that there's situations. But, you know, she's got joy. And you can see it because it's all coming from within. It all It, it is. And it's just like, this is beautiful. So when we, we could cling or get around people who are that way, I would think and would hope it could rub off on us. Absolutely. And so in your dealings with people i mean do you see that your charisma or your stuff actually rubs off on people you see them coming into joyful yeah life? so that, that that's that's a good question and and, and it's hard to answer w- without um feeling like i'm going to say something selfish here but when i walk in the room the room does light up and i think that's because the energy around me is always positive. And the one who puts that energy in me is my Savior who gifted me with my this gift, right? right? So there's people, it's kind of like they, they, they lift the room when they leave it. <laughs> and there's people who lift the room when they arrive, you know? So, um, but I think it, it, God has gifted me with seeing the best in other people and appreciating who they are. So when I walk in the room, I am quick to turn the spotlight off me and shine it on them because it's important to me that um, I edify those around me. And then suddenly they do want to rise to a high expectation. They do want to be positive with you. When I greet people, I always say, what's good? Or tell me something good. I don't give them a chance to Oh, how's your day? Oh, it's God. This is so miserable. I got stuck in traffic for 18. I do, I do, I'm like the first thing I'm out. Hey, tell me something good. They're like, oh, this was this is good. <laughs> this is what happened. It's kind of like I redirected them. So I keep that environment around me. Don't get me wrong. I have my tough days. I have, you know, I have my weak moments. Um, there is times when I get sick and I am very not happy about it. I'm like, I, I keep wondering why do I continue to suffer? 
have I not showed you my faith in 35, seven years I've been dealing with cancer now. So, um, but I, but that doesn't serve anything. Mm-hmm. Pity doesn't serve anything. Me feeling sorry for myself doesn't serve anything. So I find the people like me that, like you, who are just amazing and positive, and those are the people that I build relationships with. I don't want to be with the complainers. I don't want to be with the people who spread gossip. I don't want to be with people who are going to suck the energy out of me. Um, I want to be with people who lift me as I lift them. And and I want to tell my audience here, just as um, those of you who don't know Manny, he's in pain every day. I mean, he really is. And so... You wouldn't think that because of his positive attitude. I know so many people who are in a little bit of pain that, that complain so much, you just want to run out of there and because their their problems are so small, but they're making it so big. And I know Manny's, Manny's pain is huge, and you would never know it. And why? Because he's positive. Why? Because he looks at other people. He What he's saying is absolutely true because I've been there. I, I am his friend, and I've, I've watched him uh, elevate, edify other people uh, far above and beyond and before himself. And this is why I think that uh, having this positive lifestyle is what makes it so easy for you, is I think you hit the nail on the head. I think God has gifted you with this. I really do think that because not everybody has this, you know, I don't, I don't know people, not many people do, do have this gift. This lady I told you about in Moldova, yes. you know, I believe she does. She know. does, yes. There are certain people that have this because there's something about the joy that's just innate. It's just there. It's just part of their, they're woven in their fabric, if you right. will. Okay. Uh, and I think that's very true with you. I've learned sometimes that um, being so, that sometimes you are the lesson for someone else, and sometimes they are the lesson for you. So when I ask God why so much suffering, so much pain, I mean, I don't wake up to an alarm clock. I wake up to pain in my body, <laughs> you know. I'm like, um, but then you get, you know, people who say such positive things that I did better because of, what I read in your book, where I did better when I heard you, you shared this story and I changed my life. And then you realize that I am part of someone's lesson and, um, and God is using me for his glory. And so what is there to complain about? Now, there's something very unique about all of this. And I'm going to bring up Jesus because here's your, here's our perfect example. Jesus basically is God. Jesus right. walks the earth, and he teaches, and he uplifts other people. He speaks life into other people. He he uh, heals other people, fe- feeds other people. He prays for other people, and he does all these things for other people. He eventually becomes, as we know today, the greatest teacher person yep. in the history of the world. And yet he never sat there and says, I'm here of my own accord and I do this all for me and this you better listen to me because I'm all bright, intelligent, and wise. Mm-hmm. He never, ever, ever said or did anything close to this. It was always about, you know, honoring the Father, doing Absolutely. the will of the Father, and then honoring those in the church. I mean, Jesus even gave us the, 
the new commandment to love one another as he loved us. And when we go back and learn how he loved us by spending time with us, by praying for us, by feeding us, healing us, serving us, by washing our feet, you realize this man was out to honor others. Which is, speaks to the subject we're talking about. How do you find joy? Well, there, there's an example. Praying for others, serving others, you know, <laughs> doing all those things. It's not about us. And, and that's how I find joy in my day. Yeah. You know, in the beginning of my career, when I, I wanted to be the best speaker on the planet and I had ambitions in my dreams, right? Um, I was wanting to be successful. And that's so short-lived. I found out the secret to success is easy. Service. You want to make more money, go serve more people. You sell houses, you sell one house a day, you deserve a commission. You sell 10, you deserve 10. Go serve more people. I, but I've discovered that success is so empty. What I really was seeking was significance. And when you make that jump in maturity from success to significance, success becomes all about me. I get all the awards. I get all the attention. Significance is about other people. What are you going to do that's going to make your dent, your mark, and how are you going to serve? And so when I made that mental shift in my mind, and that's just because I was young and dumb, and, you know, and, I, and as I surrounded myself with elders and surrounded myself in Bible studies and, and, and men in my life encouraged me to look beyond success, I found that word significance. And it always, to me, lied in helping other people. In fact, the Ferrari kid was born after taking a major loss in the marketplace. I was so down on myself. You talk about I, I was really in a depressed state of mind. And um, and the way I got out of it was, you know what, I'm, I'm sitting here feeling sorry for myself. Why don't I go do something for someone who really is sick and deserving? Why don't I put a kid in a Ferrari and give them a shopping spree a day they'll never forget? And, and the minute I took the focus off me and I focus on what I can do to serve the world, humanity, God's children, my life changed again. And, yeah. it, it, and I had purpose. So... Um, more than success, significance, and now beyond that, I now want to leave legacy for my family that this is not about me. So one day when God decides my he is done with me here, that the Ferrari kid and the things we do for the community live far beyond my name, you know. Um, so at the end, you know, um, the original title of my book, even though it was Happiness is Perfect, was called Blessed with Cancer. And people didn't understand how I could be blessed with cancer. And, and now I understand it. You know, I, I understood. I didn't understand it fully then like I understand it now. But at the end of the day, I've, I've been, God has used me as a vessel. It, and I get to bring joy to people as he has brought joy to my life with giving me purpose. I learned a long time ago that happiness I mean, um, comes from... Uh, investing in other people. Oh, yes. It's a byproduct of this. And right. too many people, oh, probably the vast majority of people seek happiness, seek happiness by seeking happiness. You know, the grass is greener on the other side. All I mean, you hear the stories. I, I can't be married to you because I'm unhappy. God wants me to be happy, so I'll marry somebody else. Yeah. And because I'm looking for happiness, God wants me to be happy. Mm. I mean, these, these stories are multitudes upon multitudes. And yet what they're missing is the very essence of happiness comes from the essence of investing in others. I, amen amen to that. Others, I, yeah. I agree. It's kind of like giving. 
you know, uh, you, you can't outgive God. When you tithe, when you give, you end up receiving so much more. You don't do it for that reason. It's just a byproduct of that reason. Right. When I do things for the furry kid, um, I can tell you that um, oh, it's almost selfish because I'm getting so much back from these kids. I feel so fulfilled with my life and my purpose. Um, but I didn't do it for that reason. And so I think when you take the focus off yourself and your problems and you trust God to handle your life and realize that he's in control, that joy does come in the morning um, and focus on other people and how you can be the service, how you can be the best at what you're doing, how you can glorify God with your deeds. I think that is the start of a very meaningful, joyful life that brings happiness, not from material possessions or the grass is greener or always chasing something, the next biggest bow that the jet skis I have to have, but really digging deep and being of service to other people and using your gifts. Uh, that's where real joy and happiness comes from. Oh, yeah, from. totally, totally like that. Um, a couple of scriptures I want to share with you. One is in Ecclesiastes, and those of you who have listened to a lot of my teaching, you know, I, I'm really, um, I talk a lot about Solomon, the fact that, you know, even though, you know, he was blessed with wisdom, he was not the wisest man in the Bible. And the reason why he wasn't the wisest man in the Bible in my teaching is the fact that, you know, first off, he, he actually gives us the definition of, of wisdom, which is, you know, wisdom, the beginning of wisdom is honoring you know, and the fear of God. Yes. However, what Solomon did was he turned from God, he turned toward money, he turned toward women, he turned toward health, he turned to all these things. And you can read this in Ecclesiastes, how his life was a search for happiness, a search for the, the ultimate good. And he, in his whole life, he, he, he was this way. He was very cynical. He, um, he, he started to, he married women who were not of the same faith, which was against what God told him. Right. He allowed them to worship in the temple. Then he himself started to worship in the temple. Other gods right. we're talking about. And finally God said, hey, that's enough, you know, and then cut the line of the, of the kingship from, you know, uh, his line after uh, a generation after, after him. So not to hurt David. However, in Ecclesiastes, he says something here I, I want to read because I think it's so important, and I want to read something under First Peter. And it says this. This is in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 17 and 26. He says, So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all things, and I toiled for under the sun because I must have leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether he will be a wise man or a fool, yet he will have control over all the work that I have poured into the effort uh, and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a man uh, may do his, this work with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then he must leave all that he owns to someone that, he not, that has not worked for it. Okay, and he kind of goes on, and he basically says, this is all meaningless. And he, then in, in verse 24, he says, A man can do nothing better than to eat, drink, and find satisfaction in his work. This, too, I see is from God, the hand of God. Uh, for without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? 
To the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness, but to the sinner he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth and handing it over to one who pleases God. This, too, is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. And you can see the cynicism in in the very voice of Solomon. You can see he is turned from God. You can see that life to him was empty. Right. Okay? He really lost focus. Okay? And this is what I think had caused Solomon to lose his very wisdom that he really was blessed with. Okay? He might have been smart, might have been wise, but true wisdom, you know, out of his own definition, right. he stopped honoring God. He stopped fearing God. Okay? Right. Now, at the very end of his life, he rediscovers it, and he says, the greatest good is God. But I want to read that because I think it's a very important, because there's something that Peter says that's really cool in First Peter uh, verse 3 chapter, uh, till 9. He said, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, and undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though for now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls." And what I wanted to say here was, in looking at the two contrasts, we have Solomon, and he's looking at things of the world. He's looking at, you know, work. He's looking at his labor. He's looking at, you know, what is meaningless, what is, what is he doing in life. It's not worth it. And you can see his focus is here. Where a lot of people today, a lot of people in our churches today, all they see is the stuff we see visually. But Peter brings along something here that says, even though we have this stuff we see, we have a hope in him. And having this hope in him, having this idea that Jesus is our God, Jesus is our hope, Jesus is our future, he brings to us this joy, he brings to us this salvation, you know. And I think that if we refocus our mind, you know, I believe we can find that joy, we can find that hope, we can find that peace that we so are wanting and desiring and searching for, but I think we're searching in the wrong areas. I, I, I agree with you 100%. Probably what I would say to that is we have, I think, people in our flesh, without, we have a hard time submitting. Right. And this was true of me. And in my 20s, and eventually I submitted, you know, in my, in my early 30s and, and now. It's kind of like you wake up and there's two plans of attack. There's your plan and what you want to do and the things you want to get out of life and the dreams you want to chase and the things you want to acquire and whatever is in your head. 
And then there's God's plan for your life. And sometimes what happens is we choose our plan so much and so often, which brings us so much pain and infliction and headaches and stress because we haven't learned to submit to God's plan. And, and, and guess what? In God's plans, he will give you the desires of your heart. Right. If, you know, if, if, if it is God's will for you to be whatever it is that you dream of, um, you, that is possible for you. You know, we all have different assignments. You know, not everybody's going to be um, in every role in every position. We have different, but we have to learn to submit. And I think what happens is when we don't do that, we set ourselves up for failure, depression, headaches, things that just, you know, all the things that people we experience. When we learn to submit, and submission doesn't mean, because I submit to God's will, my plan, that I'm not going to have failure, that I'm not going to have heartache, that I'm not going to always see it the way he, he sees it. It just means it's just a better way. Yeah. You know, it's a better way. And when you do it this way, you know that there's life beyond this physical life we have on the earth. When you do it the other way, you're just thinking of yourself, and, and this life is but a wink. You know, for us who believe in Jesus Christ, we're going to be with him way longer than we're going to be down here. So I think the earlier you learn to submit to God's will for your life and and learn to find joy and happiness in that, the sooner you'll have a better life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, uh, that's our show for today. Wow. And it uh, went quick, didn't it? That went fast. <laughs> So um, I just want to uh, end with this. Basically, uh, uh, I want to uh, mention that uh, next week we're going. I'm going to be finishing my uh, my shorter video on marriage, and this time I already talked about what the husband's responsibility is for the wife. And next week I'm going to talk about the wife's responsibility to the husband. And uh, so far the the video is kind of really going. So, but I want to uh, encourage all of you to um, take a look at our videos, the other ones, and uh, something that uh, is a very famous quote that I love that Manny says is that you are created for greatness. Mm. And I just think that is so true. And if we remember that, that God loves you, you he's created you for greatness. Absolutely. And if you keep focused on him, you know, what can you lose? I mean, you have him forever and that's just really it. Well, aloha. You have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. And thank you for joining us today on The Believer's Journey. Thanks for having me, Alan. Thank you. Alan Cutting and The Believer's Journey radio program seeks to teach the Word of God in a clear and practical manner. For more information, please visit the podcast page at am630theword.com.